Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of the Shema Podcast and part two of Tearing Through the Illusion. If you have not listened to part one, stop listening, go listen to that, and then come back and join us. Now, if you've listened to part one, you sort of know what the mission is here and the guest I'll be bringing on. Hashem says that he's giving us a gift with Shabbos. It's a gift. So I want to take a quick moment and sort of recap what we discussed last time and sort of open up this, this package, tear off the wrapping paper, open the box, look inside and see what is this present, this gift of Shabbos. Go back to the Sea of Reeds. What Hashem wanted from us was to take something that was intellectual, a belief, and make it knowing through experience. And like any relationship, it begins with trust. We knew we could trust him. He just said, now, after everything I did, take a step forward. And as we walked through the water and it moved out of our way, it now became knowing. It became experiential. It was an incredible experience. We get to the other side. We live for 40 years in the wilderness with more incredible miracles. But then what happens next? And this is where we find ourselves today. Hashem says, now go in the land of Israel. I'm still going to provide for you just like I did in the wilderness. The trick is, is I'm going to hide behind nature and do it. The test is to really build our relationship that will make it unbreakable for all eternity is you have to still recognize and trust and know that I'm still providing for you. But remember, because of the sin of golden calf, you still have a Yetzirah. And it's going to try to fool you and think and buy into the illusion that I'm not controlling everything and that I don't love you and I don't care for you. And it's going to want you to sit there and say that you are in control of the things that I am saying I will control for you. And if you choose to say I control those things, then I'll let you control those things. If you decide what I control is developing my relationship with you, Hashem, by studying Torah, fulfilling the Torah, trusting that you'll take care of the other things, then I will take care of those other things. And that is what Shabbos is all about. It's taking something we believe and making it experiential. Welcome to the Shema Podcast, the podcast for the perplexed, where Torah insights intertwine through personal stories as well as interviews with leading Torah scholars demonstrate the empowering qualities of Torah and mitzvot. For more great Torah learning through Torch, the Torah Outreach Center of Houston, go to torchweb.org. Now to the show. We're, by the way, here at Torchwood. And I wanted to first I'll bring on Rabbi Busco, who, by the way, just dropped a new Average Rabbi video. I forgot how much I missed these videos. He's the only one who's ever been able to somehow combine learning Torah with laughing hysterically. Rabbi Busco, welcome back to the Shmuel Podcast. Thanks, Dan. It's great to be back. So tell us a little bit about Torchwood. The vision of Torchwood was we, we ran into a problem because... Our mission to, in coming to Houston, Texas from Jerusalem was to have an impact on the, the young people, people of my generation, and to teach them the heritage that they don't know that they have, things that I missed out when I grew up and, and I was taught and I wanted to be able to give that back. When I got here, I realized there was a massive challenge dealing with people that were post-college, people that are living their lives and scattered all throughout the city. Houston's an enormous city, it's spread out all over the place. So the normal, the intuitive approach would be, go where the Jews, find like the Jewish neighborhood, move in there, and then try to have an impact on the people that are living there. The problem with Houston is it didn't exist. There wasn't the Jewish place to live if you weren't already religious. There are pockets of religious communities here, of course, and that's where we moved initially. 
But where are the unaffiliated Jews? They're everywhere. They're all over the place. And so instead of trying to find the most concentrated area of those people and, and have an impact on them, we said, well, let's do the opposite. Let's create a space that will be a destination. Because you have these, these Jews that are they're at the age where they're not really interested in living downtown anymore. You know, they're done partying and maybe getting into early 30s and ready to settle down. Where are they supposed to go? So if you want a Jewish community and you're not super religious, there really isn't any option for you. Because there, there is, there's a very strong Jewish community here, but if you don't keep Shabbos, for example, right, then you're going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to feel judged and you're not going to, it's just not your culture. You look at these people and say, I'm not, that's not one of, I'm, I'm not from that group of people. Yes. So what we wanted to do was create a new environment that would establish a community for young Jews ready to start their lives, ready to settle down and start a family and they could move there. The infrastructure to learn and grow within a Jewish context will be provided. And the cultural stigma, the, the sort of implicit expectation for their religious observance isn't there. So they have the ability to, be, to feel free, to feel comfortable living their lifestyle as they are and not be judged for that, but still have the opportunity to continue growing. And so that's what the vision of Torchwood was and is. And we started just about a little over a year ago. We moved out here. It's an affordable neighborhood. The, the dream is coming alive. We've had people move in. And we have actually one of our podcast guests is, with, you know, with God's help, closing on a house next week. Yeah, which is very exciting. Yeah, we're, so we're doing it. Building the community, providing learning opportunities, and opportunities to learn how to live a Jewish lifestyle. So if you're listening, and especially today, as remote work is becoming more commonplace and people can move around, I would seriously consider if you're wanting to take the step, you want to take the step of starting to learn keeping Shabbos, this is the right place for you because everyone's at different levels of observance. Brilliant idea. I know it's going to continue to grow. Yeah, and one more point is that the, the culture of the neighborhood is a little bit out of the box. So what we found in Jewish history is that if you don't fit into that little box of, you know, quote-unquote orthodox culture so you have a lifestyle that's that's let's say less observant so if you don't fit into that box of orthodox culture historically what's happened within the jewish people is well let's adapt judaism to fit our lifestyle right so then you have these you know i'll I'll say unapologetically watered down forms of judaism because that's intentionally what they were so what torchwood is is this is full-fledged authentic ancient orthodox judaism but without the restrictive culture of you know having to dress a certain way. I myself, I'm the rabbi. I don't dress in the black and white every single day. Uh, I ride a motorcycle. So we're, we're creating a more inclusive culture while maintaining the integrity and the values and the philosophies of ancient Judaism. Beautiful. All right. So is there anything else you would like to add regarding Shabbos to share with your students here before we start bringing them on and opening up more to a, a panel discussion? There's such a variety of, of perspectives to take on that. I mean, you can go into the deep spiritual. What's your spiritual value that you get from keeping Shabbos? And that, that could be an endless conversation. There's the religious element. And I say religious very literally. Just having a religious devotion to turning off everything that's distracting you in the world. And whether you feel like it or not, what, like the pressure of, of my job and the pressure of the social pressure on social media of, of having the addiction of having to check all these things... 
and you have a religious commitment to, even though I don't feel like it, I'm just going to shut off. And having that discipline that you impose upon yourself, of having that, that strict regimen of, I'm, maybe I'm not feeling it, maybe I'm not feeling the, the spiritual element of it, but I'm devoted to this. This is a commitment that I have, and that's, that's immensely helpful in your life. So that's another element to talk about. But since I already spoke about Torchwood, I'll speak about a third one, which is the communal element of keeping Shabbos. One, one of the things, for example, let's contrast with the conservative movement. One of the big things that they did was, since it's difficult for Jews to live together, they started allowing people to drive to Shul on Shabbos. And that's the biggest tragedy, because one of the greatest things about keeping Shabbos is that it forces you to live in a Jewish community. If you can't drive on Shabbos, you have to walk to the synagogue and be connected to your community. That means you need to live next door to your Jewish neighbor. And that's such a beautiful thing because it ensures the integrity of the Jewish community. And it ensures that no matter where we are in the world, and you know, Texas, Indonesia, wherever Jews are living, they're going to be living together. And that's going to create a camaraderie and a sense of family and community that you can't get otherwise. And that's specifically because of Shabbos observance, because it forces you to live within walking distance of other Jews. And that's such a beautiful thing. As I mentioned, I have Rabbi Busco's students here. Let's just go around the room for everyone can just sort of introduce themselves, give a little bit about their background, and just acquaint the audience with, with who you are. Sure. So I'm Hank Ebner. I moved to Houston about a year ago, a little more than a year ago. And I re- I met Rabbi Busco maybe 18 months ago through my brother. Um, and he was very warm and welcoming. Recently, I decided to move to the neighborhood because right now I live in the area where another guest lives here. It's just, it's, it's very materialistic. There's not a lot of meaning. You go to work, you come home and there's TV and, and dominoes. So there's just, I felt that moving here would be a good choice spiritually and for my lifestyle. I'm Joe Amar. I'm another one of Rabbi Buzko's students um, on the What is Judaism podcast as the permanent guest. I have been living in Houston for almost four years now, but I didn't link up with Rabbi Buzko until I believe it was March or April of this year. And ever since then, it's been just kind of an amazing experience learning more about the the, the background, the traditions uh, of where I come from. And it, it's, it's been a really extraordinary experience the more I learn. I haven't progressed to being Shabbat observant yet, but we'll see where it goes. Glad to be here. I'm Alex Ebner. I'm uh, the brother of the guest from two introductions ago. From Chicago originally, I came to Houston in late 2018, which, if I may note, was well before Rabbi Busco. So in many ways, I am more Torchwood than I am. It's on the website. How you doing? My name is Nisan Isanov. I am a Sephardic Jew from Brooklyn. Moved out here about a year and a half ago and met Rabbi Busco, I think, three, four months after that. It took me a little while to get over here to Torchwood. I did, and it's been a blast ever since. Amazing. Awesome. So glad you're all here. Let's start with this. You're all here because you are aspiring to one day keep Shabbos. Okay? So let's start with why 
you want to keep Shabbos. And maybe start with you, Hank, and we'll just sort of go through the around the table of what's sort of creating that inspiration, what you wanted to accomplish with it, with what's creating the inspiration, aspiration to, to want to keep it. No, that's a great question. In one form or another, I've I've been kind of on the derech, but it's a it's like a tightrope because you're pulled in the direction of your upbringing, I think, and it takes a lot of energy to lean into the more religious aspects. It's a commitment, and it's a huge lifestyle change. And so I think one of the problems that I've had is making that commitment because it seems very black and white. That's, I think, a huge barrier not only to me, but I think other people in my shoes. So now I'm a little older. I've been kind of on this tightrope for 10, 15 years. And this was maybe the first Yom Kippur I've actually fully immersed myself in. It was very illuminating because what happened was when you spend 24 hours trying to connect to Hashem and you clear all the debris away and you make this pathway or this connection, you realize, or at least I realized, that there's a possibility of feeling like understanding and not having distractions and really getting it. That it's nothing to get, really. It's just kind of being with God. I mean, it cleared my mind. It helped me feel relaxed the next day. And that kind of, over the week, you know, obviously, when you have an experience like that, it's amazing, and then it kind of dwindles away. And so my motivation after that was I want to try to connect with this on a more regular basis. And in order to do that, it really became apparent that Shabbos is a time each week to do that. Correct me if I'm wrong, Rabbi Busco, but... There is definitely a parallel, is there not, between Yom Kippur and Shabbos? Well, not just a parallel. The, the Torah refers to Yom Kippur as Shabbos. Yeah, so it's, right, it's very inherent. And, and real, real quick, too, there's another thing I just want to clarify, at least from my understanding in this experience, was when I say Hashem, I don't mean some... Obviously, in normal conversation, Hashem is some lofty, unattainable, I don't know what. But when I say Hashem, it just, it was a clarity. And I'm not replacing Hashem with, my understanding of Hashem with the uneffable meaning of Hashem that you can't understand. I meant like, it was a possibility of understanding whatever that is a little bit more clearly. And I think it's our natural state. Right, exactly. There's, there's something that happens on Shabbos and Yom Kippur where we are given an influx. It's described as getting an additional soul. And we get more clarity and the reason he pulls us from that and the whole thing about the Havdalah is to know like, okay, now let me bring this clarity with me back in the world. And going like from the wilderness back into Israel because it's, it's part of what we accomplish for him by taking that holiness into all the mundane stuff. Beautiful. Joe, what is the reason that you're aspiring one day to start keeping Shabbos? Sure. If I can go back to what Rabbi Buzko was saying, I mean, it sounded like You've got it kind of divided into three reasons for doing it between the, the spiritual side, the actual connection to Hashem, the religious side, which we could also say is like a, a discipline practice, and then the, the practical side, the actual benefits in your life. Is, is that a fair way to break it down into those three categories? Sure. Okay, so the first two are the reason that I want to keep Shabbat. Uh, it's... I want to connect more deeply to God, and the times where I 
have kept Shabbat, you know, where I've stayed with you, for example, at Torchwood, it's been a meaningful experience. It's obviously um, something that I would like to recreate on a weekly basis. That'd be incredible. And the religious aspect as well, just the the, the discipline of having a something that you've committed to that you're willing to even sacrifice for, I think is extremely meaningful and, and beneficial to a person. So the first two reasons in that list of three, it doesn't quite extend into the practical for me quite yet. Gotcha. Okay. Alex, how about you? It's something that I've always known I would do eventually, but I just never really plotted out the path for getting there. You know, like when when you're just starting off school, you say, okay, I'm, I'm going to... When I get out of school, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be a successful engineer or something like that. But but not a lot of people actually sit down and plot out the path and the steps, what it's going to take to get there. So ever since I was a kid, I knew that being Jewish is profoundly part of my identity. Until I moved to Texas and started really started participating in Torchwood, I always said to myself in the back of my mind, okay, I'll get there one day. Or one day I'll wake up and I'll, I'll have the traditional Jewish lifestyle that I've always wanted. But I never really thought about what it's going to take to get there until relatively recently, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. That's sort of what I said in episode one. That was, it was something I was always going to do. I was talking about it in my head for several years, and I was ready to do it as long as it wasn't next Shabbos. Right? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Isai? I grew up in a household where we didn't keep Shabbat, we didn't keep kosher. Our Judaism was, we gathered grandma's house on Rosh Hashanah, we didn't eat bread or chametz on Passover. And uh, for Yom Kippur, we just sat at home, watched TV, we just didn't eat or drink. Uh, so growing up, I, I thought to myself, I was gonna you know, marry a secular girl and uh, you know, we'll be traditionally Jewish. That didn't happen. Hashem has sent me multiple people in my life and has showed me very prevalent signs, like to my face, that he wants me to live this lifestyle. And I couldn't ignore them. I couldn't ignore those signs. Like, it was just, it was there. And these signs are friends that you would meet along the way when Hashem believes you're mature enough to handle them and to handle the message that they're trying to relate to you. My, my wife, when I met her, she was a strong force in my decision to keep Shabbat. Because I wanted to stay home Friday nights with my family, because I, I wasn't seeing my family a whole lot, I introduced Shabbat to them. They didn't, like, stop using electricity. My dad didn't stop working Saturdays or stop driving, but at least we I made Kiddush on grape juice. They listened. They stood up for it. I broke bread on Friday nights. We had a meal together, and it became a routine. And I'm so happy. I'm, I'm very happy because of that, you know, because right. at least, you know, she introduced Shabbat to me and I introduced Shabbat to my family. Beautiful. And that's the purpose of this podcast. We're going to introduce it to other people. I want to talk about, like, again, we all have these challenges. Now, I think everyone here has actually experienced Shabbos here at with Rabbi Busco. Okay. It's just, I think it's challenging when we're not in a community. Why don't you talk a little bit about what your apprehension is, is to committing to it on a, on a weekly basis. Well, here's the deal. Honestly, I am still apprehensive to do it because I wasn't raised this way. But a major 
factor in me moving to this community was that it creates the infrastructure to be able to do that. So I'm going to live about three blocks from here. On the direct other side of the street I'm on, there's another friend that comes to Davin on Sunday mornings. I'm three blocks away from Rabbi Busco. I'm three blocks away from another family that joined the community. And so I feel like I have the support that I wouldn't otherwise have, which helps kind of go back to that tightrope. It helps balance out the side that will allow me to put these fences up in my life that haven't that I haven't had the ability to put up before. Right. I think that's, as Alex was saying about drawing out, like sitting down doing a, a game plan, I think one of the easiest paths is, like what you're doing is just to immerse yourself in a community where you're going with the flow of what everyone else is doing. Do you, do you ever have you know concerns about not being able to drive, not having your phone, or any of those things that, that create apprehension on saying... This is the way it's going to be every Friday night at sundown to Saturday night sundown. It, absolutely, and I'm not. I don't want to dissuade people from going walking their paths, but for me, obviously, that's going to be a big factor, and that those are going to be the stepping stones that I have that I'm going to be faced with because this is something I want, but it's not something that I'm accustomed to, and so I really believe that as I make progress in this path those challenges if i have a friend come in to visit if i have to cancel a client early to get home before sundown all these things like the impulse to pick up my phone that's going to be a hard one but they'll all be signs that i'm progressing when i can overcome them and the fact that i'm walking distance from my friends from a shul from it's almost like this neighborhood is is kind of like an oasis it's it's removed from what i'm accustomed to so when i come home it'll be like i'm entering in this place where i can do these things look it's all about building new habits but let's let's talk about not driving i remember i used to have a lot of apprehension about that oh yeah let's just sort of go around the table and talk about like really like what is it about not getting in your car for 25 hours that freaks us out (laughs) And why don't you start off, Hank, and we'll sort of go around the table. Yeah, well, with that one, I think I'm at a point in my life where I've realized that, okay, I get in a car and I drive, but for what? And I'm really at a point where I think that I'm ready to take that step because everything else is kind of meaningless. There's no really meaning to going, driving to wherever, a mall or something. I'd rather overcome that impulse and just be with the moment. And I think making that a habit is something that's more important to me than impulsively getting in the car, going somewhere, or having an event to go to or something like that. So it's sort of like a feeling of restriction of your freedom, that if you want to go drive somewhere, that you won't be able to do so. No, I no, I would actually say it's an ability to get more free because besides... Like, really connecting and taking a break, what's the point? Right, you sort of described it as impulse, the impulse to do something. And so you're sort of breaking free from these impulses to drive them all. Okay, beautiful. How about you, Joe? What, when, you, when it comes to not driving every week for 25 hours? Yeah, I think you hit it on the head with the freedom aspect. I, look, cars have been ubiquitous for 
a hundred years at this point. Everyone in the in the Western world, at least, has a car, has access to a car from you know the time you're the age to drive. But not being able to use that thing that connects you, it extends your your circle of influence. You know, I mean, it means that I can go over here and do this thing that needs to be done over there. And so losing access to that shows you how small you really are, how tiny your circle of influence is without all these external features that we have put into our lives and we treat as just natural there. This is, this is the way the world is when really it's, it's a pretty unnatural thing to get into this fancy machine and drive it at 60 miles an hour. Right. A hundred miles one way just to get to the other side of Houston. I feel very unaccustomed to to losing that level of, of freedom, as as you mentioned it. But I, I mean, you seem to be saying that it's kind of like a an illusory freedom, where really on the other side is the freedom from the impulses to go and do things on Shabbat. The freedom to get stuck in traffic. Right. <laughs> the freedom to get stuck in traffic here. So yeah, that's that's tough to lose for sure. That's one. Yeah, I remember I remember having a lot of fear about that one. Well, and it shows you how isolated you are too. So like, if you don't live in the community, you're you are completely isolated at that it, point. It it, it was a, look. Shabbos was a way different experience for me. We were doing it in Kingwood around non-Jews. Mm. No one knew what we were doing, and we said we couldn't drive places. And that's what I, I mean. Most Jews, you know, they don't all of a sudden wake up as Baltashuvas in a community. Well, for you, it was even easier, Dan, because at least you had family. Imagine being single, right. completely isolated. And you, what, what are you supposed to do for 25 hours by right. yourself in your own apartment alone with right. no TV, no, like, no phone? Like, just read a book for 25 hours? Truly, my experience was that, for one, this is different whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. So for me, my, you know, my wife did not convert till January. So they would set the house would be Shabbos. Except there would be the media room upstairs, and what happened in the media room stayed in the media room. <laughs> and they would go in the room, and I would be sitting there and just studying, which I, I liked, but like in the summer time, like you're, you're, I was looking at my watch, like, okay, like I can only sit here and read so long. But yeah, I can even imagine even more so being a, a bachelor, sitting in an apartment at home, and not being able to drive anywhere. As a, the opposite of me, when I started keeping Shabbos, I was, already, I was an adult, I was 20 years old. I was in yeshiva in Israel studying full-time in Jerusalem among like hundreds of other religious people. And so I never even realized that I was keeping... It was like at a certain point, I just turned... Okay, I guess, I'm, I, guess I am keeping Shabbos now. <laughs> it was just such a natural transition. Yeah. Um, very convenient, not like living alone here in America. Right, oh, yeah. exactly. It's definitely the easier path... Alex, you're, you're married, but that probably still sounds restricting for you and your wife to, if you're not here at Torchwood, be at home and not get in your car and drive anywhere. Well, first of all, to, to, uh, to your point, being married has tremendously increased my level of observance, uh, as a matter of fact. And something that Nissan was saying about when he met his wife, I remember when my wife and I were, were still dating, we got into a, an argument about keeping kosher you know I, I wanted I don't know candy or something and she says no they, they don't have actually you can't don't bring it in the house and we just kept going back and forth and she said look Alex you wanted a Jewish girl you got one that believes in God deal with it <laughs> and it was it was uh, it was a light bulb moment uh, several years ago and so I mean that's that's just the the basis of how and, and why she has been a 
tremendous aid in my, my journey. But to answer your question, I think the issue of driving is a matter of practicality mixed with lifestyle. So, I mean, I work Monday through Friday, nine to five, and I, I live for the most part as a secular person. And for a lot of secular people, that means you do your errands on the weekend. When do you go to the grocery store? When do you, you know, pick up the dry cleaning? When do you, uh, all sorts of stuff. And that's probably the biggest issue for driving for me. Yeah. Because you got to shift this to Sunday, and then you obviously can't, in the state of Texas, say if I need to get anything at the liquor store, I'll take care of that on Sunday. Can't do it. Right. So it requires a little cutting out work early on Fridays. So antidote I found to that. But you're right. It's a big change when a lot of things get done. Now, Nissan, you're, so you already are keeping Shabbat. I am, yes. <clears throat> I am keeping Shabbat. I, I've slipped up a few times, but mainly it's because, you know, like we I, I've had, I would have guests over, the hot water urn wasn't on, and my parents would want tea and right. whatever. Just You know how Jews are with their tea. You know? Right, right, yeah. After dinner. Or why can't we listen to music? Yes. And you're stuck and you feel like, you know. Yes. Why can't I listen to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, though, I, that, is a, that is a huge thing. I mean, for me, studying, you know, it's, it's what a lot of people are supposed to do on Shabbos. Just study, family time, et cetera, et cetera. I, I can study with a book, with the, you know, physical Torah, fine. But a lot of my education comes from this podcast, uh, the other Torch-affiliated podcast. Right. Not driving on Shabbat was a big problem for me. Huge. Like Joe said, you nailed it. My first car was a 2001 Honda Odyssey. I took so much pride in that thing. I was like, oh, that minivan was like, it was freedom. That's what it was. And growing up in New York, I didn't have a lot of it. You right. Know? Yeah. But yeah. this whole thing about just being isolated yes, is, is a challenging one. There's another practicality aspect, which is food. If I'm if I'm keeping Shabbos, that means that I'm going to be not cooking food. So I have to right. rewind even further into the work week to make sure I've got groceries, make sure that everything is prepared. And this is, you know, from the perspective of a bachelor living alone. Sure. These things become, you know, I mean, I've got to do all of these things. Right. By yourself. You know, part of the, the experience of Shabbos and part of what Hashem's teaching us with this is that, you know, during those six days, we have to prepare. You're right. You got to make sure your food's ready. You got to make sure, I got to make sure the, the alarm system's turned off so I can actually go outside. The light bulb in the fridge is, you know, unscrewed. All those things. Bulb, yeah. You got to have all that done. If not, you go without. What is that training us to do? It's Hashem is saying, that is your life. You are eventually going to be pulled from the world of action. And then you will no, no longer be able to do and accomplish anything. So prepare for the eternal Shabbos throughout your life. And one of the ways of exercising that is preparing for that Shabbos at the end of every week. And so it just takes, it takes preparation. I say that, Joe, when I have a wife that prepares all the food, <laughs> has on the warming trays. I have my checklist. It takes preparation. But to me, as I'm like going around, going through my little checklist, having my phone, it does remind me like that's life. This is the time to prepare for Alaba, eternity, when there's no more action, there's no more work left. The Talmud makes that exact analogy when it says in the, the times to come, in the, the next world, all of the non-Jews will come to Hashem and say, you know, we, we want a chance. Give us, give us commandments to do and we'll keep the Torah. And Hashem said, what do you think? If you don't prepare for Shabbos, you're not going to eat on Shabbos. That's what he says. <laughs>
Yeah, so the errands, that, that's a tough one, although they can be done on Sunday. Yeah. Right? True. That's what I mean, they, they can get done. And, and let's talk about phones, right? Because that was one, I remember when Rabbi Yokoff Wolby said, I want you to charge for one shot, it's no electronics. And I was like, yeah, I, I'll turn my computer off. He's like, no, no phone too. I was like, were you crazy? <laughs> what type of archaic religion is this? It was just so, like now it's like, I barely want to turn the phone back on. You know, I never want to turn the phone back on after all this and see all my emails come in. But it, it's a true fear. I mean, let's talk about the fears around like the apprehension of just shutting your phone off and the fears of what we'll be missing out on. Oh, that's the, I would say that's actually so surprisingly or unintuitively, that's not part of the practical aspect because realistically, I'm, I'm rarely responding to an emergency with my cell phone or doing something super important with my cell phone. It's the Yitzhar Hara that's telling me that I, I need to have my phone wow. with me. This is actually like, I, I put it more in like the spiritual category yeah. of things where it's like, I'm just devoted to the distraction. Right. I mean, I, you can make it more practical. It's, it's an addiction. It is. Devoted. It's an addiction. I have nothing to do. So in lieu of any other stimulus entering my brain, I'm just going to pull out this device and stare at it. And that's the go-to for so many people. You have a device, you go to the bathroom, you just pull it out. It's just an addiction every time. It's, so it's breaking that habit. That's what makes it so there's not really a rational argument. Like you said, you have to respond to some emergency. You're not going to call someone for a day. It's not a big deal. Right. But it's breaking an addiction, which, which is a tremendous okay. obstacle. And what about you, Alex, when it comes to the, the phone? What are, do you have concerns around that? I did. And then my wife put her foot down. She said, screen-free Saturdays. <laughs> so we actually recently implemented screen-free Saturdays. Really? Really. That's nice. You know, I, I stopped doing that endless scroll on my phone on social media. Nice. Stopped watching movies before, you know, before sundown on Saturday. And it has been, has been better than not. On the addiction note, I have some, when I started keeping Shabbos, smartphones weren't as much of a thing as they are now. This was in 2009, 2010. Was, people were just, it was becoming normalized right then. And so it wasn't my issue. But my issue at the time was back then I was a regular smoker. And I wasn't like a very heavy smoker, maybe like a pack a day. Maybe that sounds like a lot to some people, but to like very heavy smokers not. But anyway, I, I felt like I needed it. And initially trying to keep Shabbos was, that was the biggest challenge, is not to light up a cigarette. Once I got to a point, because it was an addiction, once I got to a point where I was fully committed to keeping Shabbos, it was no longer a problem to not smoke. And I was still addicted to cigarettes and I still smoked, but it wasn't a challenge anymore to not light up a cigarette because in my mind, once I made the decision, this is my lifestyle, it's not an option to have a cigarette. It, it didn't cause me any mental anguish or distress. Once you make a decision, this is not an option. It's not on the table. It doesn't bother you anymore. So I will say that that's, that's something with the phones. If you can get to a point where you reach just full, unapologetic commitment, that this is what I'm doing. It's just not an option. I'm not picking up my phone. It, it stops being a challenge. It won't be a, a difficulty. Yeah, that, that's a, a really good point. It's one of the things I always admire when I was learning about early on is how, you know, 100 years ago, the majority of Jews smoked like you said don't have a cigarette on wednesday they're like you're crazy hmm. but every shabbos don't touch them don't think about it like the, the level of discipline and knowing that i'm in control of my impulses right there it's almost like hashem's giving us sort of a, a, a training manual that you control these impulses that sort of guide a lot of our actions i think what all of you guys are doing is 
the right thing. You're taking all small steps. I even had someone tell me that when you first start keeping Shabbos, keep one thing for the first couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's your like, it's a way to sort of argue with the Yetzirah, negotiate, because what it was doing was, it was allowing me to build in all those habits, you know, turn, setting up all the light switches, having the food ready, but we would keep a, it was when we actually had cable, so we kept the TV going. It, but I'd always pick the wrong channel, and it's just like, I wish I could turn this off. It's awful. It's like Lifetime, really? What I, I didn't <laughs> But it, it was, you know, building up to do it. And is that what you would sort of recommend, Rabbi Busco, is just what they're doing? First getting rid of a phone, breaking those addictions, and then, and, and then I think complementing that by having experience of, of actually just like being in a community with you. Not, not only is it a recommendation, that, that, that is the obligation. Because practically, it is too hard to just completely change your lifestyle in such a dramatic way. It would be, it's so difficult to the point where you could probably do it one week, two weeks, maybe three, four weeks. Eventually, you're going to break and burn out. It's it's, counterproductive in the long run. Exactly. It, it's, such a, it's such a dramatic change from your lifestyle that there will be such a natural resistance from your Yitzhahara, from your lifestyle, whatever you want to call it, that it's going to end up, you're going to end up worse than before. Because you're going to burn out so hard, you're going to be you're going to be disincentivized, and you, there's always going to be the thought in your head, "I tried that and it didn't work." And so this is built into halacha, by the way. It's built into Torah law. This recognition, which God knows human psychology and how how we work, He made us, and the obligation is to do as much as makes sense that you can handle at that moment. You go to a personal trainer, say like, "Well, I want to eventually lift 400 pounds." He doesn't give you 400 pounds to lift. Right? You start off that's going to tear you apart. You start off with what you can do. And as long as you're on the path, as long as you're consistently pushing yourself in a safe, uh, reasonable way, which you need a mentor for, you need someone else, some third party to back to, you know, that has ideally that has experience, but at least just someone to sound off against. What's really important to keep in mind is that as long as you're on the path, if you're doing whatever you can do, you recognize that that is literally all you can do. And therefore, you are fulfilling the entire Torah. Wow. Right? Because you, you can't do more than that. As right. long as you're doing as much as you can and you're on the path of growth, you're there. It's as if you're already there because you're, you'll never be on a quantitative level perfect. The best you can do is the best you can do. I mean, it sounds obvious, right? It's a tautology, but that it's true. The best you can do is only the best you can do. And as long as you're doing that, you are practically perfect. Right. And that's, I had that struggle when I moved to the community because I thought I was doing everything perfectly on Shabbos. I moved to the community, you know, that first time it was raining outside and everyone was looking at me really weird. And I thought it was like people had a problem with the fact that I had a polka dot uh, umbrella. <laughs> and then I found out like the reason people were looking at me strange, not in a bad way, not like judgmental way, but someone came up to me and was like, everybody will be just like, not just open up an umbrella on Shabbos. You're creating a structure. Uh, I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, kept learning all these things that I was doing wrong. And it, and I got really down about it. And Rabbi Wolgelinter said, like, no, you don't understand. For one, we're all still learning halakha. I, I, I realized that at Shul, we're always learning halakha on yes. how to keep Shabbos. And everyone's still learning. But the, what Hashem's doing, he's saying, you know, you're keeping Shabbos at the level you can keep Shabbos. And then when you learn something new, it's like, oh, now I have no better way to keep Shabbos and come yes. closer. So the... Taking baby steps, I think, is a, a good takeaway, and, but constantly moving forward because Hashem is looking at the trajectory we're on. That's how we're being evaluated and recognizing that the, the learning process is 
is really ongoing. Yeah. Always just figure, what's the easiest thing you can do? Do that. Uh, recommend anyone who's, who's looking for this path forward and you know, develop this game plan, like Alex was saying before, like what, charting out this path. Contact your rabbi, whoever you're close with, anyone, and, and just discuss, have, ask them that question. Say, what, what do you think I should do? What are my first steps? And you can have a conversation with, with a mentor that can personalize your own, your own path and your growth. When you're starting out, yeah, it's going to feel like you're alone. But the sooner that you're going to surround yourself amongst people who are keeping Shabbat with you, the easier it will be. You see, Friday nights become a party. In and of them, you know, they, when you have a whole table full of people your age and uh, you guys are playing a board game together, you guys are talking, you guys are all drunk. And I'm not saying, you know, go do that, make questionable decisions on Shabbat, but... A part of uh, the Shabbat, you know, culture for me is to, you know, choose your poison, have your wine, have a, you know, whatever. Sure. And make it, uh, make it joyful. Make it joyful. Make a make a make a holiday out of it because that's what it is. It's a holiday. It's a time for happiness. And uh, surround yourself amongst good people. Surround yourself amongst uh, people that you you know that you enjoy their company and they enjoy yours. And and uh, and and make it make it a blast. Make it something memorable. And that's when you won't care what's on your phone. You won't care what your best friend posted on Facebook. And you, you'll just stop caring about what's going on outside of Shabbat. Rabbi David Aaron Israel says, I don't keep Shabbos. I celebrate Shabbos. Oh, I like that. Perfect. What, wow. would, you, what would you recommend for if, if someone has things, uh, standards or, or traditions in their own life that don't come from Judaism that have just become part of their life that things that they do on Saturday that they can only do on Saturday what would what would you rec- I mean is that just something where basically you say look you've you've got to decide what's more important cut that thing out I think that's one is going through all those and sort of mapping out okay what can you do the Shabbos maybe it's just getting those torch light switch covers and, and say I'm going to lay out which lights I'm going to turn on this week and which ones I'm not going to have on and just put those up that's it. That's all I'm going to do this week, right? And that becomes normal, no longer a challenge. Next thing, working with the right like, why don't you try, I'll teach you how to, a cholent recipe or something, and you can prepare some hot food, and I'll show you how to plug it into a crock pot. We'll put it in there, and it'll be just re- everything will be ready. Doing that will become normal. And once that becomes normal, right, then say, well, this Shabbos, since everything else is normal now, the next challenge may be like to not turn your phone off and put it away or whatever and, and map it out so it's small little incremental steps where again you're not advancing the next stage until what you're doing now is now the new normal I, I think it it sounds like a good way to approach it incrementally there's rather than making this vague I'll give you this specific example okay. um, always been a wrestler I love the sport my favorite thing to do as an adult you kind of transition into jujitsu right. <laughs> 100% of jujitsu competitions are on Saturdays right. 100% of them uh, so it would just mean, you know, if I become Shomer Shabbat, I would never get to compete again. And that's why those things are definitely things that would end up at the last for the list. Because, and with the mindset of, if, I, if I'm ready. The first thing that came out of your mouth was, was gold. You know, that, that should be one of the last things. Yeah. That, that <laughs> because you're not ready for that now. So it doesn't make sense to talk about it. Because Judaism is not all or nothing. It's not like, well, because there's this one thing down the road that's going to be a conflict with... Full 100% observance, so then I'm just not going to... 
forget that. Yeah. However you can honor Shabbos now, like, what are you ready for? What What is capable? Okay, so that might be probably the biggest, most important takeaway from this conversation for me is I have been kind of subconsciously projecting forward into the future saying, well, if I start keeping Shabbat, then at some point I'm going to have to cut out X, Y, and Z. Yes. And so I might as well not even start. You might actually get to a point where you'll want to cut it out and you'll be a different person then. Mm. But thinking now, that's not a good thought to have because like, well, I'm, I'm not that person. I do want to keep wrestling. So none of this is productive. Something that does make it easier, learning. I would recommend learn about Shabbos, learn about the laws of Shabbos. Aside from the fact that practically you won't know what to do, like you were talking about before, like you're yeah. just probably breaking Shabbos if you're just ignorant about it. But there's another huge benefit to learning in depth the laws of Shabbos and the spirit of Shabbos is that it makes it exciting to put into action. When it's just, you know, I shouldn't be doing this because I know that there are benefits to keeping Shabbos and I know that it's important and it's part of Jewish life. When it's just the I should, I should, I should, then the main motivation becomes guilt. And that's, that's terrible. When you learn, you learn more and more, it becomes, you become uh, excited. You feel armed with an education and you're like, oh, wow, I didn't know this. Now I know this. And now I put it into action and everything comes, everything comes together. And you feel like you have a mastery over your spiritual discipline. And really what we're all saying in the end for everyone listening to, the more of a challenge it is, think of what that means to Hashem. He knows. The whole goal of Shabbos, the whole goal of walking through the Sea of Reeds was we trust you're going to take care of us and we want a relationship with you. And this is my effort for to do that. And the fact that it's a challenge is what's going to make it more meaningful for you and for Hashem, knowing that you're doing that. Dan, thank you so much. Thank you, gentlemen, for participating on this. I think everyone learned a lot. The listeners are going to learn a lot. Rabbi Busco, if someone's listening and they want to get in contact with you, how do they do so? Send me an email at theaverageRabbi at torchweb.org. Excellent. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting Torch so they can continue to spread Torah wisdom to the world by making a donation at torchweb.org and clicking Donate in the top right corner of the page. And if you would like to get in contact with our host with comments, suggestions for future topics of learning, or questions for him or his guest rabbis, you may email him at president at torchweb.org.